Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, May 24th. I'm Jonathan All, in for Wayne Pratt. In Iowa, another fight over pipelines is brewing. This time, instead of oil, the proposed pipelines would carry carbon dioxide away from ethanol plants. But some farmers don't want them on their land. It's a nightmare. It's a living nightmare. Um, Because, you know, it'll be right smack in front of our house. It's hazardous material. How farmers' experience with a past pipeline is informing current concerns. That story from Harvest Public Media is coming up. Missouri's foster care system saw nearly 1,700 instances of missing children in the two-and-a-half-year period that ended in December 2020, according to a federal report. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports. The U.S. Department of Health and Senior Services Inspector General's Office released its report this month. The foster care children in Missouri went missing between July 2018 and December 2020 for an average of 37 days. There are nearly 30,000 children in Missouri's foster care system. Nationwide, there are more than 110,000 instances of children missing from foster care during that period. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Public Schools and the district's teachers union announced yesterday that educators will see a big pay raise next year. All full-time district employees will receive an 8% pay increase starting July 1, 2022. Then educators will get 3% raises the next two years. Starting teacher salaries will go from almost $42,000 to a little more than $45,000. The move is part of an agreement between the district and the American Federation of Teachers Local 420. St. Louis Public Schools leaders hope this pay will help it compete with suburban districts in the region. District leadership also said the increases were necessary because of inflation and the tight job market. Low-income Illinoisans getting government housing assistance will soon have more options thanks to a new law. Alex Stegman reports. Landlords will no longer be able to reject applicants who use disability payments or Section 8 vouchers. The law makes it a human rights violation to deny someone housing based on that income. Bob Palmer, Policy Director for Housing Action Illinois, says this will open a lot of doors. People will be paying less for housing, but also they'll have much greater housing choices in terms of what type of neighborhood or community they want to live in. And we feel like that's the type of society that we should be trying to promote through our public policy. Chicago, Cook County, Naperville, and Urbana already have local ordinances against source of income discrimination, but this law makes it statewide. It takes effect January 1st. I'm Alex Dagman. Missouri continues to lead the country in puppy mills being cited for poor treatment and conditions. Carlos Moreno reports. The Humane Society of America reports that 26 dog breeders or dealers were recognized for infractions last year, some repeatedly. It's the 10th straight year Missouri has topped the list. Bob Baker, the executive director of the Missouri Alliance for Animal Legislation, says Missouri does a better job of reporting its offenders than other states, but it's the growing number of people who have switched to breeding that makes Missouri stand out. So a lot of the small farmers turn to raising dogs to supplement their income and to make up for loss on their hogs and turkeys and things like that. Baker warns dog buyers not to purchase a pet from any breeder they haven't met in person or whose facility they haven't visited. I'm Carlos Moreno. The St. Louis Zoo is welcoming two new endangered leopard cubs to the world. The Amur leopard cubs, named Anna and Arena, were both born a month ago. Steve Bircher is a curator at the zoo. 
He says there are fewer than 150 of the leopards in the wild, and that population is critically endangered. You have to worry about inbreeding, a disease epidemic. Any of those factors could really make that population go extinct very fast. So that's why we need to have this genetic reserve in our zoos today. Bercher was a guest on St. Louis on the Air yesterday. It will still be a couple months before the leopard cubs can be viewed by the public. Bercher says they will stay with their mom in St. Louis until they're about 18 months old, and then they will be moved to another zoo as part of a program to breed more Amur leopards. Farmers in the Midwest are gearing up for a fight over whether pipelines can cut through their land. Three companies are proposing piping carbon dioxide emissions from ethanol plants out of state. Many look to the experience other farmers had with the Dakota Access Pipeline a few years ago. Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports. Keith Puntany's home in Boone, Iowa, has become a library dedicated to his fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. There's tens of thousands of pages and stuff, you know, in here. The retired tax attorney's living room has bookcases of legal documents and maps of his farmland. After the crude oil pipeline was announced in 2014, Puntany feared what would happen if the oil spilled. If there's ever any kind of a release, the way that they were crossing people's property was going to damage a lot of, you know, the farmland. He also worried about how construction would impact his soil and yields. The Iowa Utilities Board signed off on the project and allowed the pipeline's owner to seize people's private land. Puntany fought the board and the pipeline all the way to the Iowa Supreme Court, but he lost. It was a big disappointment. We expected them actually to rule in our favor because there had never been an Iowa Supreme Court case on an interstate pipeline you know, benefit out of Iowa giving eminent domain. That was the first time that had happened. Eminent domain, that's the power to seize people's private property for a public purpose. One of the first things you learn in in law school and in your first year property class is that property rights are a lot less absolute than you probably assumed. That's University of Iowa law professor Shannon Raisler. She says eminent domain has been used for projects such as water infrastructure and highways. Raisler says for eminent domain to be applied in Iowa, there has to be a public purpose beyond economic development. The question for the carbon pipelines is what is the extra benefit to Iowans from shipping carbon from ethanol and fertilizer plants out of state? Extra meaning more than just revenue from taxes and jobs. The carbon pipeline companies say they will extend the viability of the ethanol industry, an important part of Iowa's economy. They also promise environmental benefits. Elizabeth Burns-Thompson is with Navigator CO2 Ventures, one of the pipeline companies. These are truly taking CO2 that otherwise would have been emitted in some of our small communities across our state. This isn't just offsetting an emission, you know, on one coast or the other. Um, This is truly preventing an emission that would have happened in some of our backyards. But some Iowa farmers don't see it that way. This is greenwashing on, on the benefits that they're they're trying to sell. Richard McCain has more than 900 acres of farmland in northern Iowa. Some of the land has been in his family for more than a century. He and his wife, Phyllis, are familiar with how other farmers struggled with the Dakota Access Pipeline. They worry about the safety of the carbon dioxide pipelines and being forced to give up the land that they've worked hard to protect. 
it's a nightmare. It's a living nightmare um, because, you know, it'll be right smack in front of our house. It's hazardous material. It makes a person angry that this is private property and they think they can come in and do what they want to. In Keith Puntany's case, five years after the Dakota Access Pipeline's construction, he's still seeing impacts. He says the three acres affected are less productive and their value is down. The pipeline's owner, Energy Transfer, says it's mostly done remediating the land and it's still working with a few farmers to fix things. But now Puntany's farmland could be adjacent to a carbon dioxide pipeline. He says it's deja vu. I have concerns that this is just same thing, different day in terms of how this pipe is going to be put in the ground and that the issues that, that I experienced and still experience five years later are not ending. You know, they're just going to happen to somebody else. So Puntany is preparing for another fight, and he's not the only one. Farmers across the state are organizing, hoping to protect their land. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media reports on farm and food issues in collaboration with St. Louis Public Radio and other public media stations across the Midwest. For more information, go to harvestpublicmedia.org. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Shula Newman. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We are a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. There are certain listeners of The Gateway that expect me to come up with a pun at some point during the podcast, and I hate to let you down. Before the podcast started, I did write out a list of 10 puns that I wanted to try to get in. Unfortunately, no pun intended. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.